Hey folks, this is Nate Novero. And this is Ryan Clark. And we are in season four of Touch Podcast. Woohoo! Woohoo! Ow! We started this podcast a few years ago exploring uh, purity, purity, purity culture. Both Dr. Ryan Clark and myself grew up in that space. We were youth ministers in that space. We walked and lived um, the teaching, and everyone has a unique origin story. This was ours. And we have been looking back on it from where we are today as men who have been married, still married, um, who have been ministers or, or, and still are ministers in a way, um, in just um, talk, walking and talking our stories and curating everyone else's stories. And um, in Ryan is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and we've tried not to talk about purity culture, and we don't always talk about purity culture, but that does seem to come up over and over again. And then we're in development with uh, last season of our video podcast on YouTube and Instagram that's now in the hands of professional production people in Los Angeles. And hopefully that is gonna that process will continue to evolve into a network limited series. So yeah. we can keep talking about that. I mean, this it almost happened one other time and it didn't happen. And we talked about it then. But I'm trying yes. not to be superstitious. I'm just putting positive energy out there. Positive energy. Just positive like, energy. Yeah, some gratefulness. and Yeah. And I think, and what I love about this is that, you know, some, it's the process, right? Like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, two, three times, four times a charm. Um, yeah. It took Edison like what, a thousand. It was like a thousand something when he got to the light bulb. Well, I don't want to set that precedent for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but, yeah. we don't want to do this a thousand times, but you know. A thousand, thousand times. That sounds more dramatic when we say it like Sean Connery. Well, it's like, um, you know, with book publishers that like take their book to different publishers and like everyone says no. And then finally on the 18th person says, we'll take a chance on you. And then it ends up being like the most famous book. Harry Potter was one of those. And there's lots of books, a lot of book stories like that. Yes, yes. And Forrest Gump was like that. The movie oh, Forrest Gump. I didn't know yeah, that. You, was, would, you would know the movie. The movie it was turned down. Like yeah. It was turned down for seven years. For seven years, Forrest Gump was turned down, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I may be a little off, but it is that long. It may not be specifically seven, I, but I do think it was seven when, it was, when we were told that. Um, and uh, But it came out at the perfect time, winning Best Picture mm-hmm. and being the thorn in Quentin Tarantino's side for that year. Bum, bum, bum. Pulp Fiction was a good movie, too. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy to think both of those movies came out like 25 years ago. Yes. That's crazy. Um, time time flies. Time flies. Uh, and, and what's unique about that sometimes um, in our adulthood, in our adulting lives, is that 20-year mark tends to be, for, uh, for a lot of adult men and, and women for that matter, uh, it tends to be a reflection point, a reflection point where decisions we have made in our younger years, we've, we've learned some lessons, we've gained some wisdom in, in, our, in our bodies and our relationships, and a reflection point happens, and subjects that we thought we knew seem a little different, perhaps deeper, richer, maybe there's more to consider, um, and we grow through it, mm-hmm. which we're all doing together. Yeah, and that, that reminds me, so uh, for those of you who are listening at home, this episode is Nate and Ryan talking. We don't have a special guest this week. There'll be a special guest next week. Um, but, uh, but we do have a topic because 
uh, as some of you know, we host a Wednesday night uh, group that's sort of directed toward men and specifically guys who have kind of come out of, come through purity culture. It's, that's sort of a loose topic. Um, we don't actually always talk about purity culture, but what we what was a common theme organically this past Wednesday night was the topic of anger. And, um, and Nate, I wanted to say something that, um, I, I, as I reflected on that conversation more, I realized, um, it, it was a, it was not anger about stuff today. It was all like reflective anger, like being angry now about stuff that happened in the past. And, uh, like nobody, at least in that moment, in that, conversation no one was angry about i mean there are things to be angry about today and be frustrated about right now that are going on you know life is hard right now and and dumb but this was a conversation about you know us being you know just just like you were just saying like we're at a point where we can reflect like oh 25 years ago quentin tarantino made um pulp fiction pulp fiction and, mm-hmm. and Forrest Gump came out, and, um, uh, you know, there's, yeah, so we're at that age now where it's like reinterpreting things that happened to us in high school and college and things we're involved with, and it's like cringing, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, and there was some anger about how 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 life was handled around yeah. us and to us. Yeah, yeah, and, and this... When we approach this subject, of course, you know, men, women, children, we're all dealing with anger and in this unique time. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're talking about this one in regards to uh, the, the men's group that uh, this was this, this is this was the the not everyone knows about the men's group yet. We this was still a, like a little um, experimental stage. Um, and then we're. We're opening it up, but during this experimental stage, um, this is what has come up, and um, it because we were meeting with a common origin story of purity culture, um, sexuality was a big part of that anger that we were hearing from one another, and something that I've been learning um, in my own journey from. Um, from divorce and also from what we taught sexuality as and just maturing now as a man with everything that's happening. Um, what I've learned is that um, a part of feeling seen as a man is being sexually seen as well. You know, there, there are these um, patterns in which, you know, men go to like strip clubs or so forth. And, you know, the assumption is, oh, they're going to go and talk about sex and everything. Uh, or, or, you know, see naked ladies. But instead what happens is like therapy. There are conversations. There are men who go in there just to talk and feel seen. And this is left out of the, um, this is kind of left out of the mainstream. You know, folks tend to look at these strip clubs as, oh, this is where we go to indulge these fantasies or so forth. But also um, they are spaces where a lot of men, especially like with us, if we didn't have a space for our sexuality to be seen, we then end up going to these dark spaces to feel seen. Hmm. And um, feeling seen 
um, you know, how much of that feeling seen would um, help with that anger? You know, how much of us dealing with anger um, can also say, yes, I'm also sexually not seen, um, um, at least for men. You know, we're, we're talking about men at, in this conversation. Interesting. Because that's not something we talked about Wednesday night, but that's an no. that's the first time I've heard you say that. That that'd be an interesting essay to write, Nate. The strip club as a place to be seen, a perspective from men. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. That's a very what, that's very interesting. What's what's coming up? What makes it? Um, what well, about it seems I always yeah. well I always love ideas that sort of flip a common notion on its head. So uh-huh. like you were just saying like the common idea of that like men go to strip clubs to see naked women and you you would then make the argument that what men are really doing is they are going to strip clubs to be seen not ne- not just as much or more than to to watch. Um, yes, I, I, I think if we expand the conversation, we, we let that be part of the conversation, not hmm. saying that men don't go for the eye candy as well, um, but that's, that's part of, of, the, of the truth, right, of the huh. truth that's happening. Do you um, think that's, is that related to, so were you, were you connecting anger to that in that men go to strip clubs because they're angry? Or to deal with those oh. negative emotions? How did you get to... I'm trying to remember now. How did you get to strip clubs? We're supposed to be talking about anger, <laughs> not strip clubs. How did we get to strip clubs? <laughs> All right. I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to go with the flow. Dear Jesus, help me go with the flow. That's great. We're going with the flow. Yes. It, it, wouldn't it be funny if every topic we start, it just ends up with strip clubs one way or another. And, and we've just publicly, we publicly tracked this pattern of ours that we're, di- we're discovering in real time oh um but um yeah so i i will mention why that question started for me for me making that um, making that bridge um with my film studies i wanted to confront the things that i was afraid of and a part of that is um going into those spaces that i shamed like like the strip clubs this is uh i was Married for 15 years, now divorced, and um, you know, exploring all these unanswered questions of sexuality. So, in in going in, um, I found a friend. I I found a friend, and it became a genuine friendship. You know, I wasn't trying to sleep with her or anything like that, and she wasn't trying to sleep with me or anything like that. It was just like a, it was this really patient friendship, and hearing stories from her um, of being that therapist and kind of deconstructing that whole understanding, hearing from her perspective, um, in addition to taking on whatever work that they've done to, you know, you know, to, you know, to be the, um, you know, the, the object of sensuality for, for men, you know, in addition to that was this, you know, this empathetic feminine trait of simply being there and listening and in some cases mothering and in some cases, you know, whatever this, whatever these relationships that we, we yearn for, um, that were probably presented to us in, in, in part or in fragment form in, in church, um, finds the rest of it in another space. And what does that say holistically? 
you know. Um, yeah, and I, where, where I see that moment happen is in the Atlanta shooting back in uh, in March 2020. Uh, there was an event that happened um, where there was a streak of anti-Asian hate crimes that was happening. Sure. And the news of a shooting at a Korean spa just came out. Yeah, down um, the street from my house. That is down the street from your house. I mean, it's, it's down a little ways, but it's, you know, eight or nine miles from here. One of them. Bef- before I go too deep into the story, um, what was that day like for you when you heard about that news story, and especially how close it was? Um, I I don't think I was on any kind of media that day, so I didn't hear about it till like that night. I was oh. like um, working on a project, and I was not plugged to anything so i was like whoa what the heck what's going on yeah what happened today yeah very Mm. surprised well and that ties that ties to today's topic um about anger right about Mm. what or what pent-up emotions do when we don't have the skills or a, a supportive environment or a context to express those feelings in a, in a healthy way. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's, is that where you were going? Yes. Is that sort of how, okay. I'm... When, when I heard about that news story, it came out as, you know, a possible, you know, is this a mass shooting of an anti-Asian mass shooting event? Um, and, but when I heard about the shooter being, um, being a a part of like an evangel like evangelistic ther um, um like a therapeutic program for sex addiction. Oh yeah, right, right. A a, a church based um, sex addiction. Program. Yeah, rehabilitation yeah. program. Rehabilitation yeah, yeah, yeah. program. That's the word. So um, he came out of a a rehabilitation program for sex addiction, and then he ended up um, shooting what he called his temptation which were um, some Asian women that were working at the Korean spa. As an Asian man, I found myself, you know, instead of first reacting to, oh no, my, my sisters, my Asian sisters, what's happened? I found myself empathetic towards this man for having this sexual frustration and then it coming out in this extreme way. Hmm. And to me, like, whoa, there is a profound connection there with, with um, sexual frustration and, and anger. And yes, what, what happens there if we're not talking about this? Um, if the church space is not a safe space, um, does it, you know, are we helping, are we doing anything at all to help relieve that tension to be seen and, you know, de-escalate this anger that may be happening collectively? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yeah, some Our, people might hear you say that you you empathize with the shooter and right. be pretty mad at you <laughs> no, no speaking no. of anger exactly know. no no, no, no i'm not no, trying to talk not. you out of that feeling i'm just saying that i just want to right. point that out for listeners that you're not you're not blind to the fact that that would be that's a, a controversial it is thing to say it, publicly exactly exactly no we don't no i'm not not saying that and i'm not saying that you know um you know, that I would think those things, no, not at all. But uh, when we think about, you know, sexuality uh, and, and 
just the depths of that is, uh, there is, well, I, I think this is something that we're learning about, you know, uh, there, when sexuality is not expressed, we're, we're seeing things because of hashtag me too. We're seeing like, uh, you know, uh, molestations of, of children, you know, and uh, with involved with all the things we see in the news, um, like movies like Spotlight, you know, we're, we're seeing things that are happening out in the news now in current affairs, you know, where, where ministers are leaving the church because, you know, the church is now becoming this unsafe place regarding sexuality. And it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, there are beautiful things about church. There are beautiful things about religion. And, and I think these things are to help us manage this anger. Um, but the, if, if, if religion is called the, um, the problem and we're not calling ourselves the problem, then, then we're unfairly blaming religion when we need to be working with our stuff in here. Mm. And I do think this is a very important conversation um, as grave as um, that this type of conversation saves, saves lives. You know what I mean? So by mentioning that story, I don't mean to say like, oh, hey, I may be this guy, but this subject is that important that there can be life or death consequences that um, rape and molestations and um, all these things that kind of happen in these dark spaces um, we see now post hashtag me too that they do happen and we can't unforget them. So what have we not done that can help, you know, prevent that from happening to alleviate the anger. And so men can take account for ourselves um, of, of what we all can do and help each other to, to, to manage this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hear two kinds of anger in in the story you just told Nate, which is one is um, personal anger, sort of the, and and when we talk about anger, we usually think of anger as being sort of a negative emotion triggered by the need to fight or flee. Like that's sort of like a basic, but, um, but you've, so you've, you're, there's that kind of anger. Like I'm angry. I'm mad at something right here in this moment uh, that relates to me personally. And then there is another kind of anger. I think that was stirred up in me too, which is and, and other, which is sort of a justice oriented anger where um, I'm not angry about my current surroundings, but I'm angry about things that are going on in the world that I think are wrong and need to be corrected. So I have a sense of, I'm, I'm pissed that these people are being taken advantage of and it seems like no one in power is doing anything about it. So you sort of have like a justice, which I think historically we would think of that as sort of being a righteous anger. And then we have sort of the personal, personal anger um, that is... Um, well, and the way you told it and, and sort of the way you're talking about it, it's like a, a kind of anger that's a bottled up anger that we, you know, go along our lives. We haven't been expressing it, haven't been expressing it, and then we blow up. So this is when, you know, your, your dog does something very small or your kid does something very small, but you have a, a great big reaction to it. And obviously this blow up is not really about the one little thing that happened, right? It's this, that anger is is cumulative, like grief. And so 
And grief, grief and anger are really closely related, right? Really? How oh, are grief yeah. and anger related? Well, one, anger is a stage in grief. But oh. I think, two, I think when, um, you know, direct or indirect traumas and um, uh, uh, hard life circumstances and incidents, they stack up. And I think that um, the overall process for dealing with that might be grief. But what we are feeling in the moment is anger that, you know, it could be all these things have happened to me and life's not fair and I'm really angry. Um, Or maybe just one thing happened to me, life's not fair and I'm really angry. Uh, Or it could be that, um, uh, and and it's not, you know, things in the past, you can't do anything to, to go back in time and change them. So that's one thing that's different about sort of justice-oriented anger, which could be, you know, maybe it's a law or, you know, something unjust happening in your community. You can actually get involved and try to make a change. You know, that's – and I'm not saying that these aren't like two totally separate things. You know, they're two interwoven concepts. Yes, yes. It, that was a really – powerful distinction you made because for, for me uh, because it it, pr- it puts into position well it kind of divides uh, everything that was if there's anything confusing it kind of divides it up right it's that the stories we were listening to when we gathered together as men that's this was personal anger this is mm-hmm. this is that middle age reflection <laughs> point snowballing um, stage of grief of what is now versus what we know now um, and separate from that, there is a justice anger in that I've learned that there are some spaces where some, well, I myself and some other men have found a place to be sexually seen. And it's in these, um, marginal spaces of the, you know, well, in this case, the strip club. And, and so there is a justice anger there where if we continue to see it, in a negative way, what we're doing is then um, we're, we're no longer making sexuality as a personal part of our humanity. We're separating that sexuality apart from us. And so when we see that sexuality apart from us, we make it then less than humanity. And when we get to this anger point or what, you know, what happens is we make reactions based, based on that, you know, striking someone or, or, um, or, or hurting someone or, you know, even in sexuality, when we, you know, treat women like objects and so forth, even myself, I, why is it that I saw these you know, Asian women more like sex objects and like less than human? Um, I think it's because we've sexualized them in our culture, in American culture, we've, we've sexualized the Asian woman to the point where um, the part of sexuality that I've deemed um, less than human is associated with them. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, here's this guy who, what he said in his, new, in his quote in the news story is that he killed, he basically killed his temptation. Um, here's, I have, you know, these women are tempting, I have to kill them. And, and this is a common narrative that we hear, you know, as, as Christians where, 
you know, sometimes we see a human being and if we don't believe in the same thing that they live, it's like, oh, uh, this is de dealing with sexual temptation. They're now less than human and they are now not worthy of my love. Mm -hmm. And and there it is. There we have the same idea um, expressed in a subtle way. Um, and in the Atlanta shooting, we see the same idea expressed in a real big way. Right. Both cases under the narrative of um, how how as as evangelists we've taught sexuality like there's a common thread there yeah so well and uh, yeah and so anger anger is an emotion that would lend that invites us to objectify other people Ooh, is i think right. another, is another way of saying what you just said that when mm -hmm. we um well anger does a lot of things but you know it's like in our in our sort of the, our anger and our rage, you know, in order to sort of relieve that pressure, relieve that tension and try to get satisfaction, you know, we're, you know, we have that fight or flight energy that makes us want to, you know, punch somebody, you know, if you're a, a guy um, or if you have, if you're a very physical person, like guys tend to be, I should say, mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, and I, I don't know that. Uh, I, well, and what you said, the other thing is that anger really. No, uh, okay. So when you were talking, the thing that that you when you, this is the part in the podcast where I edit out that I'm stumbling around everywhere. I'm pointing. The the part about um, with the dragon, the dragon. Yes. <laughs> what if your stump said you the dragon? I don't know where I was going with that, but I'll just go to this next thing, which is it's really hard to get aroused when you're angry. Probably <laughs> impossible to get aroused when you're angry. And what and what maybe what made me think about that was, I wonder if. Some things we do are distractions from experiencing our anger so that we can get aroused. So it's sort oh, of like that, that um, the strip club, going back to the strip club idea. Um, we always unless unless anger club. is arousing for you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, well, I I think something that will, will, will helps me with this conversation, because, like, you know, we have words for anger. We have words for sadness. We have words for horny. We have words for hungry, right? And, and yes, a part of that is emotion. And and another part of it is, you know, you know this is something that I'm kind of learning to, you know, reintegrate in my, in my, my uh, vocabulary, is, is life energy. Right, um, it's this burst of well, God energy. It's this burst of uh, truth, and in in Judeo Christianity, we see this expressed in the form of um, Jesus clearing the temple of the money changers, and um, and so so there. Another word we use for that is is zeal, right? Um, and hmm. and so, but 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 I think you're also mentioning Ryan that there were there other conversations about that biblical event of Jesus clearing the temple, like, is that truly righteous anger or is there more to that, you know? Um, hmm. 
but yeah, so so that's where, you know, and there, there's also the, the the verse that we we would preach. You know, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the mm-hmm. devil take a foothold. That's like so, the biggest Christian. That's like the biggest Christian Bible verse on anger ever, right? Ever. Be angry ever. and sin not. Sin not. Do not let the devil take a foothold. I don't know why I went British. I did. Do not let the devil take a foothold. Oh, I'd rather do it Sean Connery. Don't let it. Don't let the devil take, don't let the devil take a foothold. Oh, no way, man. <laughs> that was supposed That's to be... Bill and Ted. No, that was, was supposed to be Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again, do it again, do it again. Oh, no way. <laughs> it's more Bill and Ted. Oscar Reeves imitating Nicolas Cage. Get out of here. We're going to swim. I don't... Let me try Nicolas Cage. I want to try Nicolas Cage. Not right now, I'm Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's better. That's, that's better. <laughs> we're, Comment. we're talking about anger, and if there's going to be any celebrity who talks about anger, it's going to be me because my name is pronounced Oz Weepay. <laughs> That's a reference to an SNL skit where Nicholas Cage starred as a guy who was getting angry about the smallest things, and the the final joke of the whole skit is that we discover his name is Asswipe. <laughs> and this is why he's always angry. Oh, he was angry because they were trying to na- think of a name for their kid. And every name that they came up with, this is not anger. Every name they came up with for the kid, he would see it as like the teasing version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- what they could turn that name into. But he acted angry. Therein mm. lies the point. Yes. Mm. So but we've would, strayed from your point. He, he was angry all the time. He was, he was angry all the time. Um, I don't know where we left off our sub- subject. Um, oh, oh, I remember. Oh, uh, Jesus clearing the temple. Is that anger? Is, yeah, this, is this an sure. example of, of righteous anger? I, I would say, yes, it is. A, it is okay. anger. Yeah, and I, well, what I want to say is, like, I'm not sure. I think anger is, isn't good or bad. So, like, I don't like, I personally oh, right. don't like calling it a negative emotion, though I think that's how we generally categorize it. You're and right. I don't, because I don't really think there's a, you know, I don't think about that. Is there such a thing, really, is there such a thing as righteous anger? I think it's just anger. Anger is just a thing. You know, well, wouldn't righteous anger it's not be good or justice? bad? It just, but what, what it, the behavior it fuels, is is where it sort of is like constructive or deconstructive. That's how I. That's how I think of anger. Oh yes, right. I'm with you. Yeah. Yes, and to further articulate that, the um, that anger I would say is on the shelf of. Righteous anger is on the shelf of uh, justice anger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the action of how he reacted, I guess that can be connected to the personal anger, if we want to go that down that rabbit hole. But um, yeah, and I, but anger well, not and being I, a bad thing. Yeah, and, I, and, and you can be mad about your current circumstances and something that was done to you at work last week and be justifiably... And justifiably angry about that and be angry about things that are going on in the world and just be like really, really angry. <laughs> so, so how can we be angry in a healthy way then? So oh, if there's, let's just say good. there's a lot of guys out there yeah. and, you know, whether it's being sexually unseen, which is, you know, that's a way to begin the story. But feeling seen is actually hearing things that we're saying now. So we're now starting to be seen. But 
you know, if that is one of our trigger points of being seen and, um, and just everything else that's happening, righteous mm-hmm. anger, you know, we're taking into account our personal anger. How do we do this in a healthy way? How have you done this in a healthy uh, way? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't, wouldn't say that I always deal with it in a healthy way. I know that I don't. Um, one, one thing that I try to do that was pointed out to me, given to me as homework by a therapist, was <laughs> sort of to talk to myself. You know, like for one thing, like I didn't want to say that I was angry, and then I would say something like, "Oh, I'm just a little frustrated," or um, um, "I was grumpy," or you know, I was like trying to use every word for anger except using the word anger. And obviously, I was being confronted with my anger. And um, so, one is like. You know, being able to name it, to be like, I'm in a really bad mood. Why am I in a bad mood? And say, okay, well, I really wanted to get three hours of writing in this morning. I got no hours of writing. That frustrates me. I had a two o'clock appointment that got moved to four o'clock, which means this other, you know, it's like, I have a, a number of, be able to just self-psychologize and talk through it and know that these are the five things that are really frustrating me today. And when I woke up this morning, you know, NPR was talking about the war in Ukraine and about all the civilians killed, and that pisses me off too. So mm. now I have sort of a framework for understanding these are the specific things I'm angry about. I don't have to kick the dog because she peed in the house, right? So that's 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 one thing. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Another another thing that I had to learn is um, to speak up for myself. Mm. Um, to talk to others, like if if something's bothering me, like this is sort of like basic relationship stuff. Like don't like you're I'm in a marriage and Cindy's doing this and. She keeps interrupting me, and I'm trying to get something done, and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then I don't say anything, don't say anything, and finally I'm like, damn it, blah, 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 you know, yelling and throw something and, you know, kick the dog and get in my car and drive away. Um, But, right, but, like, when things are fresh and new to try to, like, speak up and be like, oh, I'm really trying to get this done. Can we do this after lunch, or can I... Can I, can I, and then probably I try to look for patterns, like, are there certain things happening throughout the week or through the month or in my day? Are there patterns where I'm getting frustrated and is there a, a common theme to the topics or the things that are happening to me? Um, so at least, uh, those are all just sort of identifying, um, yeah, under. that's the, I really identified when you first said how, you know, you, you're kind of anger reverse at first. You don't say it like, oh, angry because you know, that doesn't come out. Oh, yeah. I'm a good guy. Yeah. I don't get angry. Yeah. Right. It takes a lot to tick me off when it <laughs> right. right in real life. Like the anger's like right here. It's like ready to boil over. I've, 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 I've seen you. I've seen you when you're brimming it. In my opinion, it doesn't get that. It doesn't get to that point, but it's almost like this kind of like um, you become more stoic and and more sharp, and it's just everything's just more acute. 
you become Ryan acute, which mm. is not, it's not, it's different from cute. It's more like force of masculinity. Mm. Well, you but mix, it is mix my sarcastic tendencies with anger and man, I can be a real asshole. Oh, um, yeah. And a funny comedian. I, I can be a real beep, beep. <laughs> I think eep, eep. I had I had something that I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, you mentioned speak up for yourself. Mm. Um, I'm learning to do that too, and I'm trying to learn. To, I'm learning to do that as fat, as soon as I can, um, and to say it in a very like um, calm way. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I if you have a moment, I'd like to speak with you about some anger that I'm feeling that. Um, is kind of related to our recent exchange. Um, when, when you're ready to have that conversation, I, I would like to have that today, if you can. You know, mm-hmm. like putting a expectation, you know, expectation point, what it's regarding, going forward, going toward it gently, and making it yours. You know, like this is something that you have to do for yourself, and not an expectation in the other person. This is precisely what I do not do, <laughs> and. <laughs> And I'm learning to do. Um, and because um, mine, you know, kind of comes up. Okay, so I got to think about something. Not all the time, but sometimes. Um, and, and, and also the one last thing I wanted to mention was an email that I got from, that we got. Yeah, my, we just, I just, I haven't grouped the emails together, but I will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that email is for all the guys in our group. And um, it's just one of us that's expressing this, you know, what he calls a stirring. He calls it a stirring. Mm-hmm. And I thought mm. the way he used that word was so, so important because it, it pulled in all what I was feeling regarding my anger, but it mm. didn't make it a negative thing as we are already associated it as, right? Mm. And, and the way he worded it, it, it kind of pushes that emotion or energy into a conversation which could lead to action, um, a conversation which, which could lead to connection and then possibly action. And, and maybe this contextualizes some of the anger we're feeling that maybe a lot of us men, we're feeling a stirring of a call to action, which is an exciting good thing. Yeah, yeah. And if we associate the stirring with the negative and having to um, you know, keep it tame, um, you know, a, what I've discovered is there is a separation of, oh, there is a difference between um, like a, a righteous, uh, there's, there's, there's a difference between, uh, well, I'm having a hard time articulating it. Maybe, maybe you can articulate it better. Um, um, there's something good in it. This reference of a stirring and, and responding mm-hmm. to that call is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. This is what well, I'm saying. And I'll say... You know, humans can feel more than one emotion at the same time. So while it's hard to we feel can? angry and horny at the same time for a lot of people, you can still feel, you know, angry and inspired, right? Or or and angry and motivated or angry and curious. Uh, but But it does take work because anger tends to be so fiery and all-consuming. Um, but anger really is a very good motivator. I mean, that's why we have it. I mean, we have anger so that, you know, when we're rummaging through the forest and, uh, a bear swipes at us, you know, we can be aroused and 
fight back or run like hell or, or whatever we need to do. You know, we shouldn't. That's And that's one of the big downsides to bottling up our anger is that we we take from ourselves the that energy that we can use to fuel another activity. So, mm-hmm. and one of the, and, and so in, when you asked about coping things, and I think this is, um, that email is a good example, which is like, if I, you know, if when we have an, a, an outlet of service of helping other people, you know, doing a little thing to help make the world right, I think that is a good use of our, you know, we might start it as an act of, you know, I'm angry and I want to make this thing right. But, it, you know, it's a way of transforming that anger into something constructive. This is what I love so much about the civil rights movement and just just seeing all these amazing leaders that have carried the collective anger of racism into something as amazing that we're seeing it becoming now. Um, and all the polarizing, you know, things that crash up against it. Um, yeah, I, I think what we, in, in my opinion, at least for me, the way I see the world is, you know, a, as part of this um, awakening that's happening, you know, we're seeing this awakening, we've seen this awakening with, with racism and civil rights. Um, there is a sexual form of civil rights version um, one of our past uh, guests was Dr. William Staten from from season one of Touch Podcast. He is Baptist clergy. He's a sexologist. He's a, uh, a therapist. He's and he's also um, I think eighty something or maybe even in his early nineties at this point. And he is a grandpa. Um, he is a grandpa, but he's he is wise, wise as hell, and he is unafraid of sexuality. Absolutely unafraid. Mm-hmm. If you've heard some of our earlier earlier broadcasts, you've heard Ryan, myself, and I, and Shannon Etheridge interviewing him, and he is making me squirm in my seat, guys. Oh, my goodness. Made me squeamish. Um, but what he was saying, uh, he's, he recently uh, was part of writing a, a group of, you know, like, what are a list of human rights? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a list of sexual rights. Mm. And this, is, this was uh, created for... The World Health Organization, WHO, who, and they have endorsed it. And I think it may be posted. I can ask, uh, we can ask, doc, you know, um, Dr. Staten if he can re-give us that link. But it has now been approved by the World, Ho- World Health Organization that here are our sexual human rights. And when we, when he was reading those to me, and we, we really should get a copy of this and just simply share it with everybody, but um, when I was reading it, so much of it sounds so similar to simply human rights to life in general. Mm. And, and this is part of why this conversation is important. You know, how are we viewing sexuality now? And how much of this is actually denying our own humanity as, as like God created, as God uh, creating God's image, right? And, um, and, and what can we learn from what's happening now so that that we can hold that better. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, um, there, there is a lot of pent up anger in most of us 
around our sexuality and our inability to be who we really are um, in private and in public, right? So um, if we feel like, you know, anytime, you know, anytime we are in a situation or in a period of time where our needs are consist consistently not getting met, you know, we're going to get angry and we're going to be angry. And, uh, and, you know, that piles on top of the, our, you know, our sort of baggage or our, our history, our sexual history, where we, you know, when we were younger and we, you know, either we did something stupid and we're like, uh, and you think about it and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. Even like 30 or 40 years later or, or, um, you know, angry about missed opportunities or, um, you know, not, not having had the chance to, and not having had the chance to whatever, whatever the thing, whatever, you know, your, your fantasy is. I really wanted, By the way, I really wanted to have a high school orgy and I didn't get to have one. Oh, it was supposed to be in a football field in the rain. Oh, we were going to take a lot of years. That'd be cool to have thunder and lightning, but that would be too dangerous. I wanted to get hit by lightning field. while having sex. That's the part I saw in the movie with Molly Ringwald when she has oh, a baby. There, but it does and it make a baby. It does rain. tie back to purity culture in that a lot of that um, like the anger of like. The promise, you know, if you wait, like our, our podcast posted this link um, to like a clip of like a, one of these really negative, shamey sex talks. And it's like, you know, but but from the church side, it's like, you know, this promise. If you wait to have sex before you get married, God will bring you the perfect person and the rest of your life will be amazing. Um, but if you don't, you're going to die, you know, and then being angry about like, that's not true. <laughs> Lots of people who were sexually active before they got married had, have had really wonderful lives. And lots of people who waited have had terrible lives. Like, there's no correlation there. Like, you know, <laughs> happiness and living a whole and fruitful life is not related to having sex as a teenager. Yeah, I, I wonder if we can... We'll see if we can um, put that on our Instagram feed, because that was really Yeah, yeah, funny. I shared it. I shared um, it, like, last night. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, I... I also found the Declaration of Sexual Rights. Oh, you found it. You think. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, well, I'll read And we're at about 43 minutes for this episode. So why don't we let this that be, our... be sort of our benediction? Mm, there we go. This will be our benediction, folks. So amen to that. So uh, it says here, World Association for Sexual Health, uh, Declaration of Sexual Rights. Um, and uh, yes, just open up your hearts. Take a listen. If anything rings true, then um, acknowledge it. And when we close reading this, uh, we'll see you guys on our next recording. So here we go. Here is the Declaration of Sexual Rights with the World Association for Sexual Health. In recognition that sexual rights are essential for the achievement of the highest attainable sexual health, the World Association for Sexual Health, quote, I mean, colon, <laughs> states that sexual rights are grounded in universal human rights 
that are already recognized in international and regional human rights documents, in national constitutions and laws, human rights standards and principles, and in scientific knowledge related to human sexuality and sexual health. Reaffirms that sexuality is a central aspect of being human throughout life, encompasses sex, gender identities, and roles, sexual orientation, eroticism, pleasure, intimacy, and reproduction. All of that and reproduction. Mm. Sexuality is experienced and expressed in thoughts, fantasies, desires, beliefs, attitudes, values, behaviors, practices, roles, and relationships. While sexuality can include all these dimensions, not all of them are always experienced or expressed. Sexuality is influenced by the interaction of biological, psychological, social, economic, political, cultural, legal, historical, religious, and spiritual factors. Hmm. It recognizes that sexuality is a source of pleasure and well-being and contributes to the overall fulfillment and satisfaction. Reaffirms that sexual health is a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It is not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmity. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences, free of coercion, discrimination, and violence reaffirms that sexual health cannot be defined, understood, or made operational without a broad understanding of sexuality. Reaffirms that sexual health is to be attained and maintained. The sexual rights of all persons must be respected, protected, and fulfilled. Um, About four more. Recognizes that sexual rights are based on the inherent freedom, dignity, and equality of all human beings and include a commitment to protection from harm. States that equality and non-discrimination are foundational to all human rights, protection, and promotion and include the prohibition of any distinction, exclusion, or restriction on the basis of race, ethnicity, color, sex, language, religion, political, or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth, or other status, including disability, age, nationality, marital and family status, sexual orientation and gender identity, health status, place of residence, residence, economic and social situation. Recognizes that persons, sexual orientations, gender identities, gender expressions, and bodily diversities require human rights protection recognizes that all types of violence, harassment, discrimination, exclusion, and stigmatization are violations of human rights and impact the well-being of individuals, families, and communities. Affirms that the obligations to respect, protect, and fulfill human rights apply to all sexual rights and freedoms. And finally, affirms that sexual rights protect all people's rights to fulfill and express their sexuality and enjoy sexual health with due regard 
for the rights of others. Ooh. That's good. I had not I had not seen that. I had heard about that document floating around, but I hadn't seen it. We should get Bill on the show to talk about that document. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm, well, I'll email him today. Okay. He would love that. Yeah. We would love. No, that. that's great. And I love that. Yeah. That's all encompassing. The because you have the com- combination of justice and the combination of pleasure stuff um, coming together. And an explanation of why there is yeah. an anger. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. All the and reasons why of we our would be angry. It, 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 adjust, it addresses those. That's a great connection. Thanks for bringing that. Wow. How amazing this goes full circle. Um, everyone, thanks so much for joining this episode of Touch Podcast. We will have another very soon. And uh, check out our, our sites, our websites. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. Earlier this year, our website was taken over by hackers. And then it got malware and then had to go down. And so we have kind of a temporary site up right now while... A new one is being built, designed, and built. But podcasts are coming fresh every week. You can find us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are found. Touch podcast, and you might have to search uh, conversations of spirit and, and then by then it'll give it to you. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, touch underscore cast, on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, anywhere that great books are sold. Awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, and, uh, have oh, oh, Patreon. Oh, oh, oh. Patreon. Uh, you Patreon. can uh, give us a little money, a couple dollars a month, and we'll send you a t-shirt. So on, yes. go to patreon.com slash touchpodcast, and you will find us there a place to support us. And then we always put the secret information about things that are going on with us. Go there. So... If you're a subscriber yeah. on uh, Patreon, then you get the inside information. You get the inside information. <laughs> we are very fancy. Do it, do it, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Inside your I can't do Nicholas Cage. Oh, now suddenly I'm, I'm the other guy from the. <laughs> you're like Mel Brooks. <laughs> I'm Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. <laughs> To me, it's all the Oh, yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah, Nicholas Cage wouldn't come out today. But you, your Nicholas Cage was great. Well, so, so Nicholas Cage is here with Mel Brooks. We're gonna be signing <laughs> off now, and we'll see you next week. Don't forget to vote, it's very important. Don't forget to vote. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, how do I turn this thing off? Oh, there's an X. <laughs>